Hi, I'm Christina Dennis, and you are listening to The Recovered Life Show. Every week, we bring you a recovered life discussion all about setting healthy boundaries and how codependency could be keeping you from living your best recovered life. Remember, addiction is a life-threatening condition, and the information in this discussion is provided as a resource only and is not to be used or relied on for any diagnostic or treatment purposes. This is not a substitute when professional diagnosis or treatment is needed. Now let's jump into the discussion. Um, Setting healthy boundaries. So happy to see you here this morning. I think everyone is is familiar with the room, but I'll do a quick introduction of myself. My name is Christina Dennis, and I am a recovery coach and an expert, whatever that word means, in uh, codependency recovery. It is my passion um, to to help people both in and out of recovery to um, better their relationships with themselves and with others. And so we meet every Wednesday in Recover Life Discussions to talk about setting healthy boundaries. It's such an important um, subject. And I uh, want to invite everybody to consider coming up and sharing. Uh, this is, I, we learn from each other and everybody's at different times in their recovery. And it certainly is a collaborative process. Um, how are you this morning, Kathy? I know it's the afternoon. Uh, it is it's just are? gone five. I'm I'm very good. I've had a I've had a really good day today, actually. Weather nice. is nice. Um, saw my sister-in-law this morning. She brought her dog over. Um, helped me out with some things I've been struggling with the past couple of mornings. So um, yeah, all's all's good in this uh, in this best of all possible worlds. Oh, that's lo- that's lovely to hear. I need a little bit of information. What is the flag um i see you and april have it and i am not aware of what that stands for um that is the pride flag the the little um oh, yeah because yes. it's pride month so if you have um ally or or gay yes. or uh, or if you have the flag in your bio um it's uh, it automatically pops on good oh good i'll have to go do that Um, Well, I I want to start the discussion off with just a quick um, intro because we do have some people in the room who haven't been here uh, on codependency uh, itself. I I always try to share a little bit about my story because we are in recovered life and I am somebody who has been in recovery uh, since 1997 and what is different about perhaps substance abuse disorder or uh, this this word that has so many different meanings around it, codependency. And, and for me, it was very clear within that first year of my recovery uh, from alcohol abuse that I had a serious codependency problem. And, um, you know, codependency is very circular. The definition tends to be kind of confusing. And so what I was thinking for today is I would share some clues, you know, some different statements about relationships that may help somebody determine that, yes, this is something I need to look at. Um, My codependency came in full swing when I uh, broke the rules of getting involved with uh, another addict um, my first year of sobriety. And through that relationship, through my desire to control that person, um, I, I acted in ways that were harmful to me. And I was very much struggling with, you know, self-worth and I was basing all of my worth on my relationships and how other people would see me. And that brought me to a crashing bottom of recognizing that codependency had been um, the way that I had operated in all of my relationships long before I picked up drinking. And it was without alcohol in full swing. Um, and. Uh, I was introduced to a 12-step program that relates to codependency, and I'm forever grateful because that awareness 
changed my life. Um, and so I've been meeting with a support group for over 22 years. And um, what I've seen in regards to uh, understanding and awareness of codependency has been awesome. I mean, I've seen a lot of people really see that putting down the substance um, is really just the first step. And so what does codependency mean? I, it's, uh, if you look it up, the term came from Alcoholics Anonymous in the late 80s, and its original meaning was that it, um, that it was a way to describe the partners of people who um, were the official first addict. And it, it spoke to the fact that the partners were actually addicted to the addict um, and maybe invested in the addict remaining um, use, using. You know, they were really invested in that role of, of taking care of the addict. But since then, it's kind of grown into this um, to this movement that I don't think is completely fair. Um, you know, where a codependent is, you know, this sniffly, sniffling, weak person who's emotionally sick and very needy and clingy. And I wanted to spell that right now because I, I have to say that uh, in my work with people who are wanting to address their codependency, I have met a lot of strong people and very loving and capable people. The problem with codependency is that it's, and this is the definition I love, uh, is a be codependency is a behavior pattern of focusing on someone else's needs before our own and putting somebody else's needs first. Our whole self-worth is wrapped up in uh, what other people think and feel of us feel about us and what other people determine is our value. And that's where it becomes incredibly dangerous to me because I will forego my own needs to please somebody else. And so I thought it would be very cool today. I'm, I'm putting together a workbook that will be free on my website. I'll make sure that I share about it uh, as soon as it's um, completed because I think it's so helpful for everyone, um, especially those of us in recovery, to really see these patterns as soon as we can uh, so that we can really start living a life that's based on our own value um, and we can, we can move forward with a lot of self-love. The very first room that I had on this topic, I uh, introduced the idea that setting healthy boundaries starts with self-love. And um, I remain true to that belief. Um, you know, if I always need somebody else to tell me what my worth is, I'm on shaky ground. Um, there's also been a tendency, I think, for people to, you know, go, you know, the pendulum swings and they go all the way to the other side and they think of themselves as manipulative and, and kind of all the negative parts of codependency. And I want to say from, you know, the top of this hour that codependents are not bad people. Um, we are not, you know, it's not a bad thing to want to put somebody else's needs ahead. Sometimes it's necessary depending on what's happening, you know, to that person. If somebody's very sick, you will need to put, you know, put it in your, let's say, a parent. You will need to take care of that child maybe before you get your sleep. But to have that be the basis of all of my relationships, um, I ended up being swallowed whole. And without the alcohol to numb it, I quite frankly got suicidal. And so I thought um, I would talk about the symptoms and then open up the conversation for people to share about what, how this maybe has shown up in their life, and also just to kind of give people some language around what codependency looks like. And so I'm going to list them, um, and I hope that everyone here will kind of think about all the different types of relationships that codependency has shown up. Um, I think it's important to mention that codependency is often, we focus on the romantic relationship in our life or our partners. Um, and it's, it's not that. Um, 
it rarely is just one person that we're addicted to. Uh, for me, I operated and got the message that this was my job from a very early, early age. And so a lot of symptoms can show up with codependency, but these I think are a really good way for us to kind of use them as a lens. Um, a codependent finds no satisfaction or happiness in life outside of doing things for other people. Um, we stay in relationships even when we are aware that the other person is doing hurtful things to us or others. Um, we would do anything to please and satisfy uh, the other person no matter what the expense is to ourselves. I certainly have suffered from that. Um, I feel a constant anxiety about the relationship due to the desire to always be making the other person happy. Isn't that true? <laughs> uh, use, um, I use all of my time and energy to give to the other person, to give the other person everything that they ask for. Um, I feel guilty about thinking about myself in the relationship and will not express any of my personal needs or desires. And I ignore my own morals or consciousness or conscience to do what other people want. And when I first got into recovery and started to look at these symptoms and how it was showing up, I couldn't deny that I had, um, I had a be, I had a pattern of behavior that simply put the other person first, and it was in all of my relationships. Um, I, I absolutely showed up um, at work as a codependent. Uh, within friend relationships, within, you know, work relationships, let's say you volunteer work, and definitely in my family and my personal relationship with my partner. And that really ended up costing me. Now, the reason why we talk about the manipulation part of codependency, you know, why that term gets thrown around when we're in recovery is because uh, when we are codependent and need somebody else to behave a certain way, to like give us our supply, you know, like if you're thinking in drug terms, I need my supply, we often can be manipulative in our desire to get them to act a certain way so that we feel safe. Um, another thing that's important to know is this is not just a gender, you know, female problem. Um, I have worked with many men who have expressed uh, a, a wish, you know, I, I can't have a good day until I know my wife is having a good day. And I've, you know, been able to point out gently that you, you have to be able to have your own good day. Um, that it can't be the wife's responsibility to always show up in a way that makes you feel safe. And so I'd love to, um, First, you know, pause and, and ask Kathy if you'd like to weigh in and also ask people uh, who are in the listening lounge to come up and share a little bit about your recovery. Um, but I will um, turn it over to Kathy for a few minutes and then maybe we can come back and do the first step for women uh, to learn how to set healthy boundaries. Sorry, Christine. That's <laughs> no, okay. Out of the, the blocks pretty quick. Um, yeah, my own my own history with codependency. I only realised it was a thing in my life maybe a year ago, and it was listening to Christina in another room that made me follow her into another room, and she started talking about codependency, and I thought it was like you know um, both being uh, addicted to the same substance and enabling each other. Um, how wrong I was for me, <laughs> um, and when I when I heard it described and when I heard some of the behaviours, I was like, uh-oh, um, that, that sounds an awful lot like me and it sounds exactly like me in, in all of my romantic relationships. And a lot suddenly made sense. It, it was like light bulb moments over my head. Um, I Things fell into place and, I, and getting, understanding what you've got getting a diagnosis of something, even if it's a self-diagnosis, I guess, um, in this case, um, is very freeing because it means 
it, uh, somebody said it somebody much wiser than me said it better yesterday but basically if there's a word for it if there's a phrase for it someone's done it before you're not on your own and it means there are steps you can take to to alleviate it to uh, i don't think uh, any codependent i i don't think i'll ever be completely free of the behaviors but um so in a year i've 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 done a lot of work um, listening to Christina um, on here and in Recovered Life and reading the blog and, and whatnot. Um, I've realized a lot and it's been very enlightening. It's it's changed the way I behave with my family, very much so. Um, the lavish gifts um, or ignoring what people want, what they actually ask for so I can get something that nobody else has. Um, that's gone out the window. Because uh, it's not healthy, it, it's not respectful of their boundaries, and it's um, it's overstepping mine. Um, and that's improved relationships, definitely, with uh, with my sister, with my nieces. Um, though the youngest nieces are a bit pissed off about it because she doesn't get <laughs> <laughs> So thanks, Christina. Right. Um, yeah. Um, so it's it's been enlightening, and it's been hard work, but it has been better. It has been it is improve my life immeasurably to to recognize those traits in myself and to do something about it recognizing it i think in codependency is a huge part of the battle um doing something about it definitely you have to if you want to um but recognizing it is is really really that was that was you know earth shattering for me basically so um yeah i i i feel better for the work on it like i said I don't, I don't know if those traits will ever leave me completely but certainly my next romantic relationship will be very very different from my last one um i still hold out hope i'll have another romantic relationship but there you go i believe you um, will <laughs> um but it will be very different because it will be me it will be me sober and it will be me more aware of myself and um it'll it'll take pressure off other people as well you know i i've done it with friends buy them surprise gifts and and you know now they're they're saying to me you know don't don't do this it's embarrassing we you know i don't i don't get you anything like this for your birthday or whatever whatever and it improves relationships all around um so um come up and share your story people there's uh there's plenty of time left and it's there's a lot of people here and I know I know there's some wisdom in this room about this topic. So uh, I'll pass back to Christina. I love that you shared that part. Yes, gift giving is a wonderful way to start practicing this because here's the thing about codependency um, or, or not having boundaries with yourself and your codependent behaviors is that when we turn ourselves into something or we buy lavish gifts um, seeking an seeking the approval seeking the love we never really quite get it because we do all these wonderful things for somebody and then we're never really sure are they in this relationship for me i mean i have to be honest i don't know if I really ever showed up in relationships before as truly who I am. And then, you know, therefore I couldn't trust any of these close relationships because I didn't know, you know, they don't even know me is what would happen. You know, they don't even know who I am and I'm wanting something from them and wanting them to adore me and to need me. And that's very, um, that's where, that's where it becomes off as offensive to the other person. Grown people don't want to have to need somebody else. It's not, it's not showing up authentically. And, you know, and, and there are no, I mean, this is such a, there's such a gray scale of different things that we can do because you could easily push back and say, what's wrong with giving somebody a lavish gift? But uh, if the other person doesn't want it, or if it sets some kind of level, you know, for me, it, it made me feel superior because look, I figured out the gift that nobody could figure out to give. And, um, and it really was a lose-lose game because the other person felt like, you know, like they don't know what to do with this. And they also felt like, you know, um, you're so much better than me. How can I really show up? 
and I didn't know if they truly liked me. Um, and so I, I just love that you shared that. And you are right, Kathy. I, um, these kinds of behaviors, this belief system that I had, that it was my job to turn myself into an acceptable vessel for you to get what you needed, was, um, you know, codependents aren't born, they're made. And so it was a long time coming and I've had to do a lot of work and I still am not there. There's those tendencies to jump in and, and solve somebody's problem or jump in and be the hero. They're still there for me, but I've got some pretty good boundaries for myself um, that help me know, oh, wait a minute, I gotta take charge of what's happening inside of me and make a decision um, whether or not I'm going to even meet with that person, you know? Oh, welcome, Derek. Thanks for coming up. Thanks, Christina. This is uh, such a fabulous topic. Uh, I know for myself, when I did my inventory through my STEP program, that this is uh, one of the highlights of the things that I needed to let go of uh, and have continued to make improvements in this area to where I feel comfortable today with who I am. But, uh, you know, it's a day, day to day battle, uh, with wanting to rescue or persecute or, uh, sometimes play the victim, uh, oftentimes play the victim in scenarios of relationships, uh, uh, because of, uh, these tendencies. So, uh, I love this topic and, uh, thanks for letting me up on the stage. Ooh, thank you, Derek. You brought up a really good point, that playing the victim. Um, no, none of us want to think that we do that. Uh, I know I didn't. It was so far from what I wanted to be perceived at um, or perceived as, but it was part of my story. And um, when I got into this program, because it was all about him, and what he was doing and how he had hurt me and how he continues to do these things. And they asked me to do the inventory that you mentioned. I started to really see that this was not the first time I had been in a relationship with somebody who was an addict. Um, and it was in every other romantic relationship, this exact same thing had come out and I was the common denominator in all those. So if the solution was outside of myself, if, you know, the, the solution to my problem was that he would, you know, quit uh, acting out and, and just show up and give me my love, then it wouldn't have been the same relationship over and over again. I really had to, to look at my part in it. So I appreciate you coming up and sharing. Hello, Julia, or Julie. How are you? Hi, I'm doing all right. It's good to see you. Thanks. Good to good to be part of this room. Um, I just a lot of what you were saying, Christina, about I feel like the I've the identity of being you know a a people pleasing person and. Um, taking care of some of my earliest memories are of taking care of of people from the time when I was you know I don't know probably like three years old um like giving people things and helping people and I was always always praised for that it was it's such a an intertwined part of my identity and personality that you know I'm, I'm gonna be 46 pretty soon and I feel like I just recently have really questioned like who am I without being codependent? What, who, I don't even know. And so I've had some, you know, a bunch of, you know, different, different uh, experiences with doing therapy. And I always really struggled with the, when they would ask, what are your goals? Because I just didn't know. Um, I didn't know what I needed or wanted enough to even start there. So I feel like I've, I'm just beginning to really like uncover me, my authentic self and who I show up as without um, being that person who's fawning and um, 
taking care of people and trying to please everybody. So um, I'm glad to be here. And so much of what people talk about really resonates as I kind of start to begin to know me um, in, a, in a different kind of way. So that's it. I'm finished. Thanks. Oh, you brought up so many good things and, you know, a perfect segue into how do we start taking care of ourselves and how do we start learning who we are? I mean, it's um, because we can't really show up in a relationship authentically us until we know who we are. And, you know, first starting with the understanding that this is this has been going on since before, you know, we could drive a car. I mean, this is where. Uh, I believe in, in many researchers and people that are much more, you know, studied than I am will say that codependency comes from uh, childhood trauma. And I know that word gets thrown around and, and I've worked with plenty of people who don't necessarily consider themselves as trauma survivors. But, you know, the definition of trauma is, is any time that we didn't feel safe. And so if we are in a home where we are made to be responsible for others feelings you know where uh you know certain things that could happen um, I'll, I'll just share from my own experience where if i did something that was quote bad it wasn't you did something bad you know that wasn't a smart thing to do it was you've broken your mother's heart and can't you just act right? And can't you, you know, can't you just, you know, stuff your own feelings and, you know, you're supposed to be this type of person in order to have value within our family. And you're, you know, it's a problem when you have your own emotions and your own feelings. And so for me, it became a, a life survival skill to first anticipate what my um, mentally ill grandmother was, you know, thinking and feeling. And I became very, very good at uh, checking out the situation quickly, coming up with ways that I could change the situation, you know, whether that was uh, trying to get really high marks in school or always cleaning my room, that it, I was directly told and inferred that I was responsible for her mental health and nobody was going to be happy unless she was in a good space. And that is my reality. And so I learned from a very early age that this is a way to stay alive. And so as I have started learning how to set healthy boundaries, I, I distinctly remember the first time that I could say no. And I, I, the, the visceral physical response that I had was like, I'm going to die. And, um, and you know, I'm, I'm being completely transparent because if you had looked at the things that were going on in my life at that time, you know, I had some, some success. I, you know, had had to move out at age 17 and had been through everything, you know, and I, lots and lots of indicators that I was okay and strong and a leader. Um, but saying no to something or risking displeasing somebody else put me in a physical uh, reaction that was that was real. Like I had panic over it. And so I think it's important to talk about this stuff because, you know, a lot of times we can take responsibility for, for everyone's behavior because, you know, setting healthy boundaries is, um, you know, uh, how do I say this? I'm trying to, we are not responsible for people who cross our boundaries. You know, we're, we're not responsible. Yes, we may have invited them back in again, but that doesn't mean that we are responsible for how they behave when they come in. And, <clears throat> and sometimes that can, with a desire to recover from codependency, we can then take responsibility for everyone's behavior in the situation. And it happened because I let that person back into my life. No, that's not what setting healthy boundaries is saying. Um, it's this desire to take care of ourselves, to treat ourselves as if we have value, an intrinsic value, right? Not uh, one of the 
one of the techniques that I use with people is we start with a personal care contract that allows that person just to start getting used to uh, feeling and get used to having a need and a want and fulfilling it themselves because that's that's not an easy concept to know if you've been raised in a home that says you're not supposed to have any needs or wants and it's not an overnight thing absolutely not um, it takes time and we have to have people around us that are telling us that that's what we should do. Uh, I, I recently, if you received my newsletter, you know I recently had a, a moment where codependency, where a codependent relationship came back. And, um, and I needed to have these checks and balances to set a healthy boundary. And through the luck of being confused about technology, I didn't respond to this person um, how I might have responded if I thought that they were you know, around the corner. Um, and it, it's, it's not an easy thing, is what I'm saying. Uh, it's not easy at all to get used to taking care of yourself first and put yourself ahead. We have a world that tells us that's selfish. Um, and that's not the case at all. You know, Kathy, I'm having trouble getting people to come up. Uh, yeah, I've just sent Paul and uh, uh, Simon a, a, a message. Um, you may need to leave and come back up if uh, and come back in if you want to come up on the stage because nothing is working here. Yeah. Oh, um, oh, Chelsea, Chelsea is just uh, proving us wrong. So Paul yep. and and Simone, if you just pop out and come back in, hopefully we'll be able to bring you up. There's a glitch that's making it. You know, we we keep saying yes, but it's not bringing you up, Chelsea. Hi, um, I, I can relate um, to Kathy, like um, hearing about, you know, the codependency from you specifically, like on the app and um, kind of coming to terms with that kind of stuff, because you share a lot of stories that I can relate to. Um, and it's so funny, because I was like, really proud of myself for setting some boundaries um, with somebody I was like kind of dating for a little bit um, recently because like they came on really strong um, and like, and they were doing the gift giving and this and that. And I was like recognizing it as a manipulation. Um, and then I kind of stayed in it a little bit longer than like I should have because I didn't want to hurt their feelings. And I was like, okay, that's definitely some codependency going on. Like I, I don't want to hurt their feelings. So I'm being uncomfortable. And like, I, I can like feel it in my gut. Um, like deep down when it's like going against what I truly believe. Um, so I did, you know, I was like, I can't do this. Like, you know, I see you more as a friend and this and that. And like, and they blew up at me um so it was definitely like a lesson like um and i was really proud of myself for like setting those boundaries because obviously the gift giving and this and that were were definitely a part of me manipulation because of the reaction when i ended it um but then i find myself there's like one person um who like it's been like on and off since like 2017 and i can't get rid of it and like it's he's also an addict um and like i promised myself i wasn't gonna like date in the program anymore but like since it's been going on since like 2017 i can't drop it and like i'm very recognizing i'm like i'm very aware of the fact that i'm like addicted to this person i'm addicted to getting the response um i like seek attention like there's all these things that i'm like fully aware of um, that I would like to change and like that I'm seeking, um, you know, the ability to, and like, even in therapy, like my therapist is like, what are you like, what are you looking for when you reach out to this person? You know, like she doesn't want me reaching out to this person and like, I can't 
answer that question. I don't know what I'm looking for. Like maybe like approval. I don't, I don't know. Like I can never like really fully like answer that question when she's asking, you know, like, what are you looking for when you reach out to this person? Um, but I think like, I think there's an improvement in that I'm fully aware of like what I'm doing. I just have to take the action now and like do something about it. Like, cause like after awareness is like action. Um, so I don't know, like I, I was so proud of myself for like the one situation. And then I go back into the other situation, like whenever I'm single, um, and there's nothing going on, I go back to this, this same person. Um, and I'm just trying to kick that habit because I, I, I like fully realize that I'm like, it's like an addiction. Like I, I get like some boost, uh, like of, of something like every time I do get a response. Um, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to like manipulate the situation, like, um, by trying to get a response and trying to be a different person. Um, and so yeah, like I'm I'm fully aware of it. I'm trying to like seek some resolutions for it and like change the behavior because I don't like it. It feels icky. Um and yeah, that's all I got currently. <laughs> I wanna say and Kathy, I really would love for you to respond to. I I wanna say first thing is to be kind to yourself. And uh this happens. You know, this happens to all of us. It's happened to me. And you're right. Being aware of it is is a big part of it. And kind of, you know, stepping back and observing yourself and, and asking these questions, you know, about, um, you know, what am I getting out of this? What's happening? Without judgment is very helpful. But I have this little prayer that was taught to me that I find very helpful because I got to bring higher power into some of this stuff, you know, all of this stuff for my life. But I, I definitely need to recognize that I have limits. And sometimes it's going to take a few times around to learn the lesson and actually the anxiety that I'm having on trying to make this outcome happen is, is actually keeping me more invested. And so, uh, you know, one, I always tell people, relax if you're not there yet you will be there eventually you will eventually you're not going to accidentally marry this person because you're sharing about it you're talking about it and you're recognizing that there's something that you're getting out of it but this prayer that I've been taught is change me change them or remove them from my life and something about that little prayer helps me, you know, kind of tap into higher powers source, you know, that I am, for whatever reason, I'm still invested and I don't want to be and can, you know, higher source come up and show me and it works, change them, change me or remove them from my life. And it kind of allows me to, to sit on my codependent hands, you know, <laughs> just long enough for for life and for my higher power you know my my loving parent to get me to where i need to be and so i hope that's helpful um kathy oh uh absolutely agree with it. i love that mantra change me change them get them out of my life um i'm, I'm loving that and you're right the, the sitting on your hands that we talked about um i think last week um the most difficult thing to do, the easiest thing to say, um, that that works. That I'm finding that works for me. Just just not. See, as soon as Chelsea started saying somebody had been rude to her, I wanted to kick their ass. And I thought, no, that's not practical. Um, it's not wanted. <laughs> uh, it's very not practical. Um, but that's my first instinct to save. And, and But no, sit on my hands, listen to Chelsea, listen, listen to her talk it out and come to her and come to her solution because you ask the question and you don't get the answer unless you've got a solution and listening to Chelsea kind of talk through it. It's like, yeah, you, Christina's absolutely right. You will get there. You will get there, darling. And that's be done. Yeah. It's so helpful to, to just remember that, you know, part of the reactionary 
reactions that we have uh, when we come from a background uh, of addiction is to, you know, I'm going to make something happen and it isn't happening. And this whole idea of, uh, I had a sponsor used to say, wear it like a loose sweater. And so I can just say that to myself so that my, you know, and then my nervous system kind of settles down and it's like, okay, that's right. I will be, I will get there. It's okay that I don't see it right now. And that loving acceptance kind of loosens up this part of me that's holding on so tightly. So I just applaud your honesty, Chelsea. I, I've been there and I know uh, for me what that felt like. And I'm just, you know, I just think it's awesome that you could share that with us. Uh, so Hello. Um, lovely to see you. Um, I just find this subject really fascinating. So thank you for opening the room, upsetting healthy boundaries. I just wanted to hear your insights into a recent situation I found myself in. So I met this guy online and it was a bit of a whirlwind. It was very intense for a month. He invited me back to his in Cambridge and um, I stayed there because we both worked from home. So we both sort of like were working from home, chilling out, getting to know one another. And there were things he would do, which on the outside, I guess, would look small, but they did make me feel upset, you know. It'd be the way he would speak to me, like, say, for example, if I couldn't work his washing machine or I couldn't or if I didn't cut the carrot up to the way that he wanted, he would just speak down to me. There was a lot of down talking, like, how have you got this far in life? You know, you've got no like life skills. And he'd make these sort of jabs and I'd just sort of sit there like, I don't feel comfortable with this. And I felt it in my body. And um, every time we had an argument, he would drive me home. I don't drive. So if anyone from the UK is here, he drove me from Cambridge all the way down to Dunstable, kind of like Luton area, and um, didn't really want to talk. Just said, you know, the plan of action now is that I'll drop you home. Um, we'll give each other a bit of space. You come to your realisation of what you've done. And that's it. You know, he didn't take on any accountability everything was my fault all the time and it's really affected me actually like I still stupidly have kept him on my whatsapp and I haven't blocked him um and I still think about him a lot even though being treated like that but I think what I'm saying is is strange because at the beginning you kind of overlook a lot of these red flags and I, I think for me setting boundaries meant I was sort of being uppity or kind of like you know um, but I was scared of losing him. Like I just felt like being uppity or kind of like, oh, look at you. Who who are you? You know, like, and because I sort of learnt later on that he likes arguments, I sort of felt like me standing up for myself would almost be playing into that dynamic. So I'd just be interested to hear what the others have got to say. Thank you, Christina. Well, thank you for sharing, and um, and it's it is very hard. Uh, in the beginning to uh, not only do we have these this wonderful chemistry you know that is telling us you know that that's not a big deal and then we have the judgment because in our world um, healthy boundaries can be mocked you know we can be told that we're you know oh you you're you're you think you're perfect and people who become very defensive um, can get us into that loop, you know, that loop of, well, oh, this is, this is reminding me of something that I happened in my history. And at that time I didn't have the power to leave. So I had to learn how to become flexible and just go with it. And, and it's hard to kind of pull yourself out of that. But, um, you know, one thing that I would say is one of the first parts of starting to set healthy boundaries in your life and arrest our codependency is attending to the nervous system and recognizing that when we have those feelings, it doesn't necessarily mean that person is wrong, but the nervous system doesn't lie. It's telling us, remove yourself from this situation and figure out what's gonna happen. And when somebody continues to repeat and has no chance, like they, they shut the door down, they call it stonewalling, then it's gonna be a big indicator that they are not the person I'm supposed to be with. Um, Gottman Institute is this wonderful 
uh, institute for that's been able to predict with 90% accuracy which couples out of thousands and thousands of couples would end up in divorce. And one of the four horsemen is stonewalling, which is when somebody doesn't like an argument and they immediately uh, put up the wall and say, nope, we're not going to be able to discuss this. And so all of those are really big red flags. And it's so easy for us to take the onus and the responsibility on that we need to react to this egregious behavior in a way that is polite, that we're not going to hurt their feelings, that um, saying, you know, that's not okay, is somehow being selfish. I mean, that's not only is that a system of uh, patriarchy, it's a system of the dominator model. And most of the world is still based on that dominator model uh, where boundaries are mocked and they're not okay. And if it happens once or twice, then you say, oh, okay, this person is triggered. I can be loving. I can be compassionate. But what worries me most is that this is a style of communication that has probably worked for him in the past. And his addiction to having it, you know, be that cycle is not good for your nervous system. It's not good at all. And so one of the things that we do as codependents is we abandon ourselves over and over and over again by staying in situations that are not good for us. And so attending to your nervous system and really paying attention to what your gut is saying and going with it and removing yourself from situations is the first step um, to setting that boundary. So, uh, you know, and Chelsea kind of brought this up too. Uh, we now know that love bombing is a sign of possible narcissism. And, and that word gets thrown around a lot, but it's, it's you know, love bombing in the beginning too much uh, is actually an indication that this other person does not have a sense of self either. And so the best that we can do is tell other people about it and, and share all the thoughts that you're having and share, you know, what happened and trust yourself that you know what's best for you. Um, by always putting your nervous system in the driver's seat, you know, always removing yourself. So I'm glad that you shared that. And I also hope that people will hear that we all do this if we're sweet codependents, you know, we're, we're all foregoing bad behavior sometimes because that's how we stayed alive. So when we start saying no thank you, to other people. It's really, really hard. So I'm very glad that you shared. Thank you, Simone. Tiffany, thanks for coming up, friend. Oh, thank you for having me. It's so nice to see you and be here in this conversation, you guys. Wow. I, it's so powerful to, to share uh, similar experiences and feelings. Um, and I just, yeah, I'm in this, you know, I'm in a space of discovery in my relationship with my husband and uh and hearing you know what I've been hearing this week is that I'm um I'm never satisfied that you know what I what I'm asking is is just saying that I'm not happy enough with what all that he has given quote unquote right and and not it's just it's fascinating it's so hard to communicate with somebody who is stonewalling you or his who is not willing or able to have this kind of dialogue, to have this kind of a conversation. So, you know, I've just been praying for, for this space to have a conversation, to hear others' experiences, strength and hope that, um, you know, that, that more will be revealed and, uh, you know, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, it's fascinating. I'm trying to, you know, be in this space and own my truth. Sorry, we're in the middle of the road. The car just rushed by. Um, 
own my truth without feeling like, um, hold on, I'm sorry. All right, we'll wait till she comes back. I, I love the, um, the way that the, du the direction of the conversation is going. And I think this would be a good time to talk about attachment styles. Um, it's not unusual for uh, traumatized people to find each other. Uh, in fact, I, especially when I work with couples, I'm completely aware of the fact that even if there is an addiction going on in one person's life, the other partner is also struggling with the same, the same types of, um, you know, processes of wanting to escape or wanting something outside of ourselves to fix ourselves. And so uh, there is a lot um, of, you know, sometimes I'm going to, let me slow down just for a minute and get my thoughts together. Sometimes in certain 12-step groups, there can be a lot of a lot of words spoken to being independent and not needing other people. And, you know, this is the, you know, our resentments, our expectations. And I, I have to say that I don't think it's as black and white as that. The opposite of codependency is interdependence. And when we are an addict and we attract another person, you know, a lot of attention can go to us getting our sobriety and, you know, we're the identified patient. But that partner of ours has similar issues. And so attachment styles have gotten really big. A lot of people have talked about them. And so I am an anxious attacher. There are two types where we anxiously attach to somebody or we are attachment avoidant. And so in my particular marriage, my husband is very attached, avoidant. And what that means is that if I'm triggered, especially our first year, when I was triggered or scared to death about be becoming open or having intimate relationship, I would go on, like, I need to talk to you and, you know, you know, we need to get this through and can't you see how much you're hurting me? Even with lots of years of recovery, I was there struggling. Um, angry, inner teenager, inner child running the show, and he would automatically become defensive and would say things a lot like what um, we heard from Tiffany. You are, you're never happy. You're manipulating me. You know, now you're going to cry. And then I would think he was, you know, just a horrible person and would immediately want to pack up and leave. And, um, what we learned through a book called Hold Me Tight is what, what we learned was that interdependence is actually what we want. It's not in independence. Of course, within a relationship, we have to have a sense of self. But when you're in a romantic relationship, it's interdependent, which means that we do have expectations of each other. And this is what it looks like. And so as each person is working on their own triggers and healing their trauma, me, as a partner to my husband, I could start seeing that when he put up the defenses and started, because he felt attacked, that underneath that was his extreme fear that I was going to leave. And, and underneath my screaming and raging and anxiously attaching and wanting to finish the conversation, that I was actually, um, you know, completely scared to death that he would leave. And so in, the, in that case, the defensive behaviors were not necessarily stonewalling where the person refuses to be involved in a conversation or refuses to talk about it. It was a matter of both of us are tending to our nervous system and just having the willingness. And, you know, I learned this phrase from Kathy, actually, originally, you know, big doors swing on little hinges. So if I just could stop in that moment and have a little openness to the idea that even though he's screaming back underneath that is his fear that I'm going to leave. Um, and then he in turn could have a little bit of willingness to, to believe that she's not criticizing me. Like I don't need to go into defense mode. What she's really saying is I'm very, very scared that you're going to leave me. And so the we went to therapy our first year and it was really important that we did that. And if you're in 
uh, in an addict, you're in recovery and you have a partner who is also in recovery, whether they actively seek out support or not, that we need to be working with a good therapist and we need to have a place that we go to where we can gain a little perspective. And um, I, I would say this very confidently that even though my first year was not a storybook my first relation year with, with my husband was not a storybook kind of this codependent Hollywood type of rom-com um, that I believe we needed every one of those moments to actually start learning to put the trauma on one side and us on the same side opposite of it. And um, I think we could have a lot more discussions about it uh, as we continue to have this room, but I just, um, I just want to thank everybody who came, uh, and shared these, these are not easy conversations to have because when we start arresting our codependency, when we start taking contrary action, we have to look at the whole story and it's, um, it's important not to demonize codependency, but it's also important to really see how much it has robbed us of our of our happiness and our sense of self and self-love. And with that, um, let me see, Tiffany, did you get to a place where you could talk? Do you want to finish? I think I am. Yes. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Thank you. Oh my goodness. I was in the middle of the road with my pup who was just about to get run over. Anyway, I'm glad. <laughs> Thank you for, for that. And, um, yeah, it is, um, you know, I think you were saying, talking about it and even and even with Chelsea, I came in and heard your share, but of the awareness. And, um, you know, I remember clearly when I first got sober and being afraid to look at the hole in the donut because of what I might discover. And, um, you know, maybe I wouldn't like the person that I that I was or am. And I'm grateful that I had that experience feeling that way because this um, setting healthy boundaries and, and becoming aware of, of my co place in codependency and um, is is a similar feeling for me sometimes, Christina, right? It, and everyone, it's like sometimes I'm feeling, you know, I feel worried, scared to look and have that awareness um, and an honest evaluation of, of the situation. Um, you know, you I want to have, but then I'm also afraid to have, right? Because, you know, what that, what all of those pieces might mean and lead to um, that unknown. But I also know that there's no other way through it. Yeah. Right, right. There's no other way. There's no. There's no like you can't hide in denial forever. It it will come out and uh, more will be revealed. So, I am uh, again just grateful. Grateful to have this you know community to to come in and share with and be a part of and uh, and learn and grow with. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And you're right. There is no. There's no way out. We can. Um... We can jump from relationship to relationship, but we'll always have this, you know, this part of ourselves that we need to address. But I can say, because I want to end the room on a very hopeful tone, that um, that it's worth every bit of hard work. I have a marriage that I never even knew could exist, and it isn't because he fulfills all of my dreams. Um, it's because I get to show up authentically myself and know for once what it feels like to be loved um, because I'm here, not because of what I do. So thank you to everybody. You know, Kathy, I so appreciate you willing to co-mod. It's always better to have you up here. And Derek and Chelsea and Tiffany and Julie and Simone. A quick announcement. Tomorrow we will have the 9 a.m. room with uh, Damon Frank the unstuck room and then there is a reschedule that's happening on friday where deanna and i will be going through the next to the last chapter in atlas of the heart 
Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.